Hello, and welcome to the Yosemite Area Creatives Podcast. My name is Tom Shiavon, and I'm recording from Yosemite Cowork in Oakhurst, California. I'll be your host as we yak with artists and artisans from the picturesque Sierra Mountains surrounding Yosemite National Park. Yosemite Cowork is designed for people who work from home, entrepreneurs, and anyone else who wants to get work done without distractions. The space features standard desks, an upgraded desk with monitor and dock, and a conference room that can be reserved for calls or private meetings. Customers can work from just a few hours to a full day, and monthly plans allow unlimited, 24-7 access to the office and discounted conference room reservations. With 250 megabit internet in a quiet environment, it's a perfect place to take conference calls, perform high bandwidth tasks, or just be able to focus on a project. Included in any pass is free reverent coffee, Tazo tea, and bottled water, as well as printing, scanning, or faxing. Whether you just need to take a few calls or to escape from the kids long enough to finish a task, Yosemite Cowork is an ideal place to get work done. Interested in learning more? Visit YosemiteCowork.com to view pictures of the space and see pricing options. It's hard to overstate how important good coffee is for getting through a workday. When I was deciding what coffee to serve at the co-work, I wanted to find a quality coffee that wouldn't make people stop working to find a cup elsewhere. From growing and harvesting to purchasing and roasting, I wanted a coffee that was sourced with respect for the environment and growers without gimmicks or sacrificing quality. That's why I chose Reverend Coffee. They work directly with farmers to source fresh, high-quality coffee beans. Every bag is grown to organic standards and ethically sourced, and each micro-batch is bagged immediately on-site to ensure freshness. They control costs with a no-frills approach that passes their love for coffee onto customers without breaking the bank. You can buy Reverend Coffee in retail shops, cafes, and grocery stores around Yosemite, or visit reverentcoffee.com to purchase online. For as little as $15 a month, you can even subscribe to have some of the world's best coffee delivered to your home. Try Reverend Coffee, because life's too short for bad coffee. This episode, we're talking to Reverend Coffee's Casey Lucas. He's my neighbor over at the co-work, and if you haven't had a chance to meet him, he and his wife are really some of those warm and kind people that you'll ever want to meet. I promise you, it's in your best interest at the next event or festival that you're at to find their booth and try some of their coffee because you won't regret it. A lot of people locally know that he was the former owner of the Cool Bean Cafe uh, and the current mastermind behind Reverend Coffee, but a lot of people may not know that he was actually a humanities major in college, that he's a musician and a writer. And so we chat with him a little bit about what inspired him to start a coffee business, uh, to buy the Cool Bean Cafe, to roast his own coffee, and how he's able to pour some of his creative energies into that process. I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation as much as I enjoyed talking with him. We're talking with Casey Lucas today, uh, commonly from Reverend Coffee. Uh, but does a lot of other cool creative things. And so uh, why don't you just let us know a little bit about what you've got going on? Hey, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so I am a musician. I've been a worship pastor. I write a lot, do a lot of blogging, website work, and um, also mainly roast coffee. So that's kind of what I do currently. That's cool. So how... Um, 
So like you started, I've, I've known you for a little while now and we've chatted and your background is in the humanities. So um, why don't you talk a little bit about like what you did like for school and then how that somehow became making coffee in Oakhurst. Yeah. You know, it's a kind of a funny story. So um, I studied English at Cal Poly and then I also had a, uh, I got a Spanish minor from there as well. But one of the things that I did was sit in coffee shops in San Luis Obispo all day long. And so that's kind of where I started really loving the coffee scene and um, kind of getting a feel for what I liked about coffee shops, what I didn't like about coffee shops. And then at the time I was dating my now wife um, and we, we would sit together, study together, and we started forming this dream of what would we do if we owned a coffee shop? What would our coffee shop look like? And, you know, us and probably millions of other people in the world. <laughs> but um, it was funny when we graduated from college, we were 22. We moved back to Oakhurst, which is where I grew up. And a coffee shop just kind of through a lot of weird circumstances fell into our laps. Um, right after we got married, we bought it in 2009. And then, uh, yeah, owned it for 11 years, then started our roasting company. But it all kind of went back to that moment of just spending lots and lots of time dreaming about what, what would I do if I owned a coffee shop? How would I run this place? What would it look like? What kind of environment would it have? How would our community form around that business? And yeah, so that's a little bit of our, our story in terms of, you know, the connection to literature and, and coffee. Yeah. So, you know, obviously, so you start up a business, you've got a million tasks to do, right? And yeah. especially a coffee shop, I'm sure there's a lot of waking up early. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so how did you take that background of, you know, I'm sure, you know, a lot of people have the experience of being in college and then you've got like lots of time. And so <laughs> you can do all these creative things really and kind of fa follow every fancy. Um, but then, you know, you start working at the coffee shop. So like, what was, what was it like doing that? How did you bring some creativity into that? Oh man. Yeah. It was a pretty rude awakening. So we were 22 and I was a night owl in college, stayed up regularly till two, three in the morning. And then once we bought the business, I was then waking up at five in the morning every day, Monday through Saturday. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty, pretty brutal. Um, I realized that a lot of my idealism in terms of how I thought things would run was crushed pretty quickly, but then, you know, kind of as you get a feel for, um, running a business day to day, that's when you can kind of start finding that creative room and creative space. And so, uh, one of the things that we did off the bat actually was change the coffee that was, uh, carried in our shop. And I feel like that was kind of like the first step in putting our own stamp on what kind of business we wanted to create and wanting to focus more on organic fair trade coffee, which at the time in 2009 was still kind of like the cutting edge, um, now the, the scenes changed a lot and actually it's more common to find direct trade coffee in our industry. Um, but yeah, so I feel like once we kind of got a little bit of our own personal stamp on, on the business, then we were able to start focusing on things like trying to make 
all of our own stuff, like make our own syrups, make our own products that people could feel good about. They would also be healthy, healthier. Um, and that we felt like there was more of a connection to like the creative process of making something ourselves versus just buying everything, uh, you know, outsourcing everything. And that's kind of that same type of thinking is what eventually led me back in about 2017 to start roasting our own coffee is I really wanted to find, you know, my own, my own products that I was proud of that I liked and that kind of a community could be built around in the same way that a lot of people feel about having like a local brewery. Um, I wanted people to have a local coffee shop that sourced or that roasted its own coffee, sourced its own coffee and that people could walk out and be proud of the fact that they bought something, you know, more local than before. That's cool. So, yeah. So I like that. I, I like what you're saying about building community mm -hmm. um, and building a product and trying to uh, kind of get that process going. So um, as you're doing that, are you feeling your creative needs were being met? Um, did you feel it kind of draining your creativity or, or what were, um, what was the process there? Yeah. Experience. So I think initially, um, I got really a lot of create creative energy in making new drinks, making new specials, even though we were still outsourcing our coffee in the, you know, first, I think it was six, seven years, um, of owning the business. We were, I was really thriving on making new drinks and kind of upping the quality of our drinks all the time. And that was a really fun creative process. But then I reached a point where I just really wanted to be able to control our, our roasting and our coffee. And that was a really fun time. Now, again, I got into roasting knowing nothing. And so it was a really steep learning curve for me before I could, uh, before I could actually, you know, sell coffee out of our shop that I felt proud of. Um, now that process was really fun for me because I could just go buy really weird, tiny micro lot coffee that was really strange and cool that I didn't really have access to before. And so that, that was a really fun experience for me learning that. And then kind of like the same concept as when you make up like a really cool song, uh, when you roast a really cool coffee that you've never tasted before and you did it and it tastes good and you're proud of it, it's like that same kind of feeling or you write something really cool that you're like, I communicated this and I'm really happy and proud that I did that. Um, so that's kind of, I still get excited about that with coffee every single time I roast something that I'm, that I enjoy. So, so like whether it's music or writing or, you know, kind of doing artisanal type coffees, yeah. um, what does creativity mean for you? Like, what is it that you're trying to get out or get across? Right. I, I think I maybe said it a little bit before, but um, I think that every different creative thing that I do, I first and foremost enjoy what I'm doing, but then I think all of those things are forms of communication where you're trying to communicate something to someone else that you enjoy and you hope that they enjoy it as well. Um, we do that a lot with with blogging, uh, my wife and I both blog and we're trying to find people who, uh, you know, we can, we can just connect with them. Uh, we can write something that's maybe encouraging or if it's coffee related, um, help people 
enjoy their coffee more at home. Um, but it's, it all kind of breaks down to communication and connecting with other people. And, um, yeah, hopefully it's enjoyable for people as well. How has the creative process of like being a musician influenced the way that you do other things? Ooh, I like that question. Um, well, fun, fun fact, a lot of times while my roaster is warming up, if I don't have anything else to do, I'll go sit and play guitar while it's warming yeah. up, <laughs> which maybe you can hear as my neighbor sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, but I think, I think I've always approached music, um, with, in terms of like, I like building different parts of a song. Like I'll hear, you know, maybe a melody and then build something around it. And then, um, you know, I kind of go back and tweak it and refine it. And I think roasting is really similar to that. Um, you know, if I'm like sample roasting a coffee, I'll have an idea of what I want it to taste like or this or that, but then I'll go back and kind of refine that process. And I think just having like some parameters as a creative person is so important because otherwise if everything is just like too up in the air, it's hard to ever pin anything down. You know, if you don't have discipline as a writer to actually sit down and write things and you're, you're never really getting anything done. And I think it's kind of like that for me in music and roasting, like knowing that I could do anything with either one of those, but being disciplined enough to sit down and actually put something down as a starting point, uh, maybe is, maybe that's a good reference in terms of how they affect each other. Um, so when, so when you started out and the direct buying wasn't as big of a thing, mm. um, and you wanted to really focus on that organic, um, fair trade mm -hmm. coffee, um, what was the, what was the drive there? What did you want to, to give people? What did you want to come out of that? Ooh, yeah, I like that. Um, we have always had a really, really strong focus on wanting to feel really good about the ethics of the products we buy. Um, we've always been interested in, you know, making sure that farmers are paid well for their coffee, um, that the planet's also taken care of, that our customers aren't hurt by things like pesticides and chemicals. Um, we've always wanted to have, you know, be able to sleep at night knowing that we did the best that we could in terms of sourcing things that were not only really excellent quality, but also good for people, you know, and also tasted good because it has to taste good. Um, and so originally it was easiest to just buy that coffee from other companies. And then as we started roasting, that's when I, you know, that I had to actually take on that responsibility of making sure that I was buying that kind of coffee. So luckily we connected pretty early on with a really amazing importer out of Oakland who does all that legwork for us and makes sure that all coffees, if they're not organically uh, certified, they're at least grown to organic standards. And that's a whole other issue of farmers maybe not being able to afford the organic certification in their country, but basically making sure that they're healthy, that um, the quality is there that, you know, no one's going to get hurt by drinking their coffee. Cause that's actually a really big problem that I think a lot of people don't know anything about. That's always been really important to us. That's cool. I like that. It's kind of like recreating the supply chain. Right. Right. 
And so, you know, maybe I should have said this at the beginning, but as a full disclaimer, you know, I love Reverend Coffee. It's actually what we serve at the co-work here um, and get plenty of compliments. People I've talked to um, are pretty loyal to your brand. And so um, what are you the most proud of with the company and the community that you've created around this idea? Hmm. Yeah, I think uh, for me, it's always been really important to do something that I felt like I was kind of giving back to the Oakhurst community in terms of, you know, I've, I've spent most of my life here. I think I moved up here around 92 and with the exception of going to college, I've, I've been here that whole time. And I just, I love the idea of having more locally made products that Oakhurst can point to and say, Hey, we're proud of this. We're, we're stoked to have our own coffee roaster. Um, and so I think, around that community and when we owned our coffee shop we really tried to create a culture of excellence around coffee in oakhurst and i think that you know there's been a lot of ways that i feel really good about how we've how we did succeed in doing that owning the coffee shop and how we're trying to continue to do that both as a roasting company and also still working with um cool being our old coffee shop and they're just crushing it at that so it's awesome Cool. Um, so like, has there been in the process, and I think we've touched on this a little bit, but has there been any creative blocks where, you know, I do some writing myself and there's that time you sit down and you've got the blank page in front of you, right? And it's, mm. you jump in and you're like, oh my gosh, I've, I've got to actually do something now, right? <laughs> so, um, so going from that, not knowing how to do a coffee shop to not knowing how to roasting and now kind of doing roasting, you know, really full time. Um, what are some of those creative blocks that you encountered and like, how did you overcome those? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. You know, it's kind of becoming apparent to me while we're talking that I tend to, uh, be okay with jumping into things, knowing that I will have to learn how to do them. And it seems like I've had a lot of those, um, moments. And as we're talking, I mean, roasting, first and foremost, I didn't know how to roast when I started. So that was lots of trial and error and then kind of figured out roasting and then became became pretty painfully aware that, you know, roasting isn't enough. You can make a great product, but then you have to learn how to sell it. And so then I didn't know anything really about sales except for people coming into our coffee shops and having to learn about sales. Um having to learn more about social media, running an online business, having to learn about photography because you run an online business. And I feel like in all of those different situations, I thought that the creative thing, being good at the creative process would be enough. Like being good at making coffee would be enough or taking a great photo or writing a great caption or whatever it is, that would be enough. But it's what comes after that actually is the hard part that's where you've you've created something that you're proud of but then the block for me sometimes comes after that and trying to communicate it to the public or get it out there the creative part of the process isn't normally the block to me it's what follows after and actually communicating that to the community or whatever your audience is yeah i think there's a there's an aspect of you know, the artist, right? Like depending on how pure you feel like your artistic <laughs> sensibilities are yeah. like, you know, that the business part of it can feel dirty. Right. Right. But like 
I think a lot of people who probably paint or do music or whatever realize that there is a business aspect of mm-hmm. it. There is getting it out there. It's amplifying your voice and, um, and connecting. There's, there's like something inside of you that you need to get out. Right. Mm-hmm. And you get it out, but then how do you kind of rise above the, um, the, the noise that's, that's all around you. So I guess if you're more comfortable just creating an avoid, then that's okay. <laughs> but otherwise you're going to learn how to have to learn how to market it. Right. Yeah. If you're like uh, old school and you have like a patron or something that's paying your bills, I guess that's okay to just create all the time. But yeah, yeah. you know, you, uh, otherwise you need to get out there and sell it somehow. <laughs> yeah. There's gotta be some fun or crazy story that like has come out of like owning a coffee shop in this area that you never would have anticipated something that just like was like, I can't believe that just happened. We, <laughs> well, here's, here's a funny story. I, so when we owned the coffee shop, we, um, we had some kind of like shady businesses around us for a little while. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> and, uh, and one time, uh, we had these two guys walk in in matching Hawaiian shirts and fedoras. Nice. And they they told me while they were ordering their drinks that they were undercover agents of some kind. And I was like, why are you telling me this? Isn't this the whole point of you coming in here is that you're supposed to be undercover? Um, so then they then proceeded to go sit out on the patio and they just watched like this other business that was near us for a long time back back then it's since closed well then a couple days later there was like a full on police raid on the business and i was just shocked cuz i thought man i think those guys were actually telling the truth cuz i just thought they were lying but it was so silly to me that they walked in in like the hawaiian shirts and fedoras and oh that was like completely hilarious there's been like I feel like I do miss that about the coffee shop is like, there's so many daily weird things that would just happen that I'm pretty insulated from now, but it was, it added a lot of like life and good, funny stories all yeah. the time. Yeah. I mean, nothing says undercover cop better than like Hawaiian shirt and, <laughs> and, Oakhurst, and Oakhurst of all places, right? Like, yeah. Put, put on something Patagonia. And yeah. Fit in. Totally. Um, so anything next for you? What's anything cool on the horizon? Um, yeah, we're just really trying to uh, continue to build like our wholesale program with a lot of uh, companies. We have a lot of a lot of people we're trying to work with in that pipeline, and then uh, yeah, I'm kind of trying to um, continue working to find you know, relationships with farmers that I've, I've been doing this enough years now where I've kind of found the people that I like to buy from. So kind of maybe more pursuing true direct trade coffee where I know that I'm going to buy X amount of coffee from every farmer every year. And that, I think that would be really cool. Kind of like continue to go up that chain a little bit more, you know? So if somebody wanted to buy Reverend Coffee, where mm-hmm. would they go do that? Yeah. Our website is uh, reverentcoffee.com. That's an easy spot. We uh, can definitely get coffee to locals that way with a lockbox in front of our store. We can ship you coffee. And then um, we do have our coffee at the Cool Bean Cafe, which is a great spot. Can't recommend them enough. And um, 
also Ace Hardware in town and Eclectic and the bike shop Pedal Forward. And I'm sure I'm forgetting a few, but yeah, there's plenty of places around to grab our coffee. Oh, and, and of course, your fine establishment oh, yeah. here, Yosemite yeah, Cowork. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. We do have free reverent coffee available. Um, awesome. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming by and chatting with us. Yeah, thanks for having me.